Hello, and a very warm welcome to the Silviva podcast, the podcast about learning in and with nature. We offer you up-to-date, evidence-based information about the practice of learning outdoors, teaching outside the classroom, nature-based environmental education, place-based education, and related topics. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, and a very warm welcome to the Silviva podcast. We bring you a series of interviews with some of the world's top researchers in outdoor learning. In this podcast, Dr. Karen Barford and myself, Dr. Rolf Jucker, discuss the chapter which Karen has contributed in a recent research volume that I have edited. The volume is called High Quality Outdoor Learning, Evidence-Based Education Outside the Classroom for Children, Teachers and Society. It was published by Springer Nature in 2022. You can also check the show notes for a link. And you can either download the entire book as a PDF or an EPUB. You can download individual chapters or you can read them online because the entire volume is an open access volume. And now I bring you Dr. Karen Barford. A very warm welcome to you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. It's really a pleasure to accommodate you on this podcast, Karen. Before we launch into your research work, give us a bit of your background. What is your educational journey? And of course, why are you interested in outdoor learning? Oh, thank you. It's going to be a long podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. (laughs) Thank you. Well, uh, by now, I work as a research leader in outdoor studies at a university for applied science. So I work as a research leader for people who research into teacher education, into kindergarten, into school in the outdoor area. And my journey to this part, it hasn't been a straight journey. It has been up on mountains and down in deep lakes. So originally, I'm educated. In Denmark, we have like two subjects when you go to university. So first, I have a degree, a master degree in biology. Mm-hmm. And then, so that's the green way. And then in sports science. So that's my other degree. And then I have been working with teacher education for about 30 years. And with these two subjects, biology and physical education, a lot of the teaching is actually outdoors. And and I'm not ended yet, you know. I'm still experiencing ways and possibilities uh, for and in the outdoors. So for me, it has been a lifelong interest and um, yeah, for the outdoors. I wouldn't choose to read biology at the university if I wasn't interested in what's outdoor, you see. Yeah. So, yeah. And then then my PhD was about, because I'm, I work at the teacher education was about the teacher's role in teaching outdoors. So it has been like going this way for a very long time. Yeah, that's very interesting because it it seems to bridge 
the kind of content interest, biology, um, the outside world, uh, and how to move within the outside world with sports uh, side, plus teacher education, in other words, methods of how to interact with uh, content. Uh, how, how did that interest uh, come up? Well, I have been teaching my whole life. And then my interest, of course, is in how do people learn? What should they learn, which is the content? And how do uh, people learn? And in this part of Denmark, we have many different students. We have younger students at the teacher education who just come from their abitur, from their college education. Mm -hmm. We have um, more mature students that have been out and doing other kinds of work. Maybe this is the second or the third education. We have students who have a very um, practical knowledge and some who have a very theoretical knowledge. So we have so many different students here and we also have so many different kids in school. Mm -hmm. So of course this ways of learning, many ways of learning has always been interesting me. And then the outdoors was, uh, one of my experiences was I have three boys mm -hmm. and they were like when they were in the puberty, they were sitting, you know, every morning uh, eating their uh, organic muesli. <laughs> uh, and uh, we don't want to go to school. Uh, it's boring. And then uh, the first day in the summer holiday, they were going to summer school for a soccer summer school. And they were standing at seven o'clock in the morning with their small soccer boots in their hands and saying, please take us, take us. And I, I wondered. Why Why this difference? Of course, there's mm. something about the content, but there's also, there must be something about the methodology the, yes. that is physical, that it's outdoors, that it's together with experts. So there was also this movement in Denmark to more school and, yep. uh, yeah, and a lot of projects. So I just like... Right, I'm not a surfer, but I just uh, fell into that wave yeah. where my interest, my expertise, my knowledge, and my job in the teacher education. So I am very fortunate and very lucky. You were the right person at the right time in the right place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, let's test the hypothesis with you. Um, there is this idea that a lot of people who work in outdoor teaching in um, environment-based education, an experience, a, a, an important experience sometime in their life has contributed to this interest. Is this the case with you as well? I mean, do you have a beautiful, life-changing, intense personal learning experience outdoors? Or is it more this kind of experience you just related to us with your boys or what would you say? I would say I have one everlasting, very long positive experience with encounters with nature. And it, it hasn't ended yet. 
so I wouldn't say it was like this day, this moment. I have, I think I've, yeah, that I have been connected to nature since my very early childhood. And I, I still have this when the, because in everybody's life, there will be crises, there will mm -hmm. be times where you need some kind of support or mm -hmm. time to reflect or, and by this, I have always felt that being in nature really made me uh, see things in another perspective. And they still do. I still like when I'm really stressed and way behind my deadlines and so on, I don't sit and write, which I probably should, but I like go for a run or a bicycle trip or take the dogs outside, go for a walk or go to the beach or whatever. So I still, it's, it's, it's still very embedded in mm -hmm. my lifestyle, even I, which I'm a bit sorry to say that being a researcher in this field is a lot of sitting behind a computer. But but still being outdoors in on many different occasions, yeah, both very active, adventurous, but also very silent experiences. Yeah. 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 So so I I'm sorry to say, but I won't say that I fit into that category. Yeah, Maybe but but it's a it's a it's a wonderful answer because because it's to to a certain extent it's it's a far more beautiful image than this one time trigger you have a lifetime interwoven uh, interaction uh, to to me that is almost a lot more beautiful than than this kind of one trigger idea which i'm you know i'm slightly dubious about anyway but yeah very 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 beautiful answer thank you very much um i'd like to ask you a very big question and i I know it's a bit, maybe a bit um, over the top, but I still, I'm still interested in your answer. You know, in, in Switzerland at least, but I reckon in, in Denmark as well, there's a lot of thinking going on at the moment about, you know, what kind of schooling do we need to prepare young kids, youth and adults for the many challenges uh, we are facing in the 21st century, you know, amongst them, climate change, biodiversity loss, you know, problems with democracy and authoritarian regimes and so forth and so forth. Now, these are really big questions, you know, big challenges. Do you think that outdoor learning has something to contribute here or is this a totally different level? totally different world even. Yeah, I, I think that outdoor learning can frame some of the qualities that we need to develop um, within the, the upcoming generations. And I think that outdoor learning maybe make it easier to develop a integrated problem solving skills, mm -hmm. you know, social skills, skills in in how to see possibilities working together know which partnerships you should go into um to 
work innovative and it i think actually that it's also possible to work indoors with these uh, developing skills that um, make you be more and like an entrepreneur more innovative where we support the kind of knowledge that is needed to think beyond borders mm -hmm. I, i think you can do that indoors also but i think it's more or less easier for you as a teacher to to develop problem solving tasks to take into the pupils newer ideas to acknowledge their visions when you're outdoors and when you work in more project based so i think outdoor learning can contribute uh, because there will be some innate methodology in your mm -hmm. teaching yeah mm -hmm. so Yeah, yep. but you Absolutely. can also make as a, you can make very shitty indoor uh, education and also outdoor education because you can just sit them down in the very cold Danish fall and talk to students and they will freeze and they can't hear you and they will get disturbed. So it's all it, that's also my field of research. It's mm -hmm. for me. It's all about the teaching. It's all about the processes that you. Uh, try to initiate mm -hmm. within the children. It's yep. not the outdoors as such, mm -hmm. but the outdoors give you some, maybe open up more doors for your imagination. Maybe it takes you away from your usual way of working. But mm -hmm. if you work a lot outdoors, and if the pupils or students or children or whatever is a lot outdoors, then it's not new for them you mm -hmm. know then it they will also have routines and you have to work with these routines that they don't stiffen yep. that you keep like seeing the possibilities and and there are more possibilities and more disturbances outdoors than mm -hmm. in a fixed room yeah yeah I, i totally agree with you i think it is about the quality of learning and you can influence that indoors as well as outdoors there's no question about it and to me i think the the interesting bit about outdoor learning is precisely it's not necessarily the magic bullet for the best way to teach a specific math problem but as you have said it does nurture and support a whole variety of important things which enable learning or which open up learning or which yeah. can potentially open up learning as you said it's not necessarily the case always but but i think that is a to me that's a very interesting way of looking at it because i think it's it's kind of you're looking at learning from a more or less holistic human perspective okay what does a child or a young person need to learn best and you're not necessarily looking at it from the perspective of okay i'm a biology teacher and what do i need to do so that my kids learn biology best that's an important thing as well but but if you look at it as it were from the other side from the the kid's perspective, what does it need to be nurtured so that learning can happen? 
Um, I think there, outdoor learning has interesting things to offer. But Would you agree? It, yeah, but it's for me, it's also about the view on learning and how you like test learning. If learning is a process and not a result, uh, learning is not like an endpoint. Learning is a, a way of being in the world. And, and then this learning, it's together with development, it's together with entrepreneurship, it's together mm. with initiative. And that's the way that I, that for me, I think the outdoors make it possible for, for you to acknowledge the pupils' initiative. Yes. And if they strengthen their will, if they know that they are able to change Things. For me, it actually doesn't matter if it's change the color of uh, a bench under a tree or change the, um, the compost or whatever. But if they learn that they are able, mm -hmm. that their will, their knowledge, their being in the world can change things, then I think we have gone a very big step. And I'm more interested in those processes then i frame it around you know uh biology or yeah. how many legs does a beetle have and so on but it's not that important the important is that they uh can think where will this mm -hmm. beetle be where could it be how can i count the legs without hurting it how can i put it back and so on and so on so for me i think that an important part of working outdoors is to strengthen the initiative mm -hmm. the the will to do things and see learning as a process not as an endpoint yes yeah precisely to to support the children's self-efficacy that they really learn and experience that they can as you say uh, have an impact and change smaller and and bigger things and, I and, think also, yep. and also develop a competence because it's not only to do things, it's also to do things competent, you know, mm -hmm. so they can, there are different values. There are, there are actually things that are better than others. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. So if you build uh, a chair and it breaks down the first time you sit on it, it's not a good chair. Yeah. So yeah. it's also, okay, what, are there any kind of, quality in in what you do yeah yes. so it's yeah. not only self-efficacy yeah yeah also, yeah but yeah. that's an important thing and and i think you can you can support this quite well outdoors um but another important point which you mentioned is really this this attitude of the teachers i mean there's a research showing that if teachers have themselves a learning attitude to life. In other words, that they don't think I know everything already. I just have to transmit that to the to the kids. But that they themselves are very interested in the world and in learning new things and in developing. Then the research shows kids learn better. They, they learn better with teachers who have that learning attitude. And yeah. and you have said something something similar, you know, that your interest really is in into that, you know, nurturing that kind of attitude in teachers. Is that did did I understand that correctly? Yeah. Or? Yeah, that's really true. That's really true. I think that as a teacher you need to be you need to 
know things. You need to be able to do things, but you also need to keep on being curious. And then you need to have a lot of courage. You, you, you must sometimes you must stand up and sing in front of people, or you must have the courage to ask the bus driver to um, go another way or whatever. You need to have the courage and take leadership also for the kids. Yeah. And I work with my students. So even as a teacher, I love to talk. I really try to make them talk and make decisions and take part in the decision process. And maybe not so much upon what are we going to learn because that's fixed and they have to pass the exams. But how are we going to learn this? And what processes do we initiate also with the teacher students? You know, they are adult. They are adults. They have all their experience and, yeah, confidence and lives, lived lives. Yeah, I think that's very important. I mean, that is part of this learning attitude that um, you are very curious and respectful for what the others bring to the table in a learning journey. Uh, yeah. You know, you as a teacher and the kids or you as a teacher and uh, teacher trainees uh, which which come to you. And um, But it's this... also easy. It's easy to teach adults, you know. You, you never have these classroom management issues or anything. <laughs> So that that it, makes it a bit easier, yes. That is yeah. true. That is true. Yeah. Now, you have contributed uh, a chapter together with Eric Mugind to um, this uh, volume, High Quality Outdoor Learning, specifically on teacher education. And uh, you talked to teachers, you tried to find out how they experience outdoor learning and what they need and, and what it is to them. What would you say are the most important outcomes of that research? Oh, thank you for asking. You know, this is a study with Danish teachers. And first of all, I need to say that the experience by teachers are very contextual, also depending on the country and the laws that you <laughs> you work with. And I have done several studies, some on Danish experienced outdoor teachers, because I was interested in how come that they keep on doing this, because we have a lot of international research pointing towards that um, teachers think it's a lot of work, that there are safety issues, mm -hmm. there are these classroom management issues, there are uh, afraid that the pupils won't learn what they're supposed to learn or get tested in and so on. And then there's the Danish context, which is a bit different. And some newcomers, people who are going to start to teach outdoors, can be concerned about uh, will the pupils learn what they're supposed to learn? Will Can I manage them outdoors? Can I get enough good ideas? Mm -hmm. Are there any weather issues and so on? But from the other side, when we talk to uh, teachers who have been continuously working outdoors, who are not like newcomers, they say, well, it is a lot of work, but it's worth the work. 
because we get a closer connection and relatedness to the pupils and actually to the community that we um, feel we can use our own competence as, as teachers. And I don't know how it is in every other country, but there had been a tendency towards a more academic, more goals and aim and test-oriented paradigm in Danish schools. So the Danish teachers thought, oh, somebody else tells me what I need to do. And if you see a professional teacher who have to act in this um, amazing classroom with so many things happening at the same time, those Danish teachers that I talked to thought that they could like reconquer their professional identity by going outdoors because then they had to decide what to do, which um, subjects to teach, which part of the subject and in which way and so on. So the teacher said to me, well, we feel that we have more competence, that we, but it's also a lot of work. And mm -hmm. so this coin has two sides. I call mm -hmm. it the double-edged sword. And, and then this autonomy in going outdoors mm -hmm. was also very strong with the teachers. But in Denmark, when they were often outdoors, they even, even Denmark, I don't know if any of the listeners have any been in Denmark, but even in Denmark, they said, well, weather is not really a problem. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. And uh, they also said, well, classroom management is not that hard that we thought. Mm -hmm. And the third thing that is different in Denmark compared to many other European countries and maybe also non-European countries is that we don't have so many safety issues. It's We, we don't see the outdoors culturally as our enemy. We don't mm -hmm. see mm -hmm. other people or, <laughs> I don't know, as um, we don't, yeah, foreigners as people that could hurt us or the kids. So we have a country that is based very much upon uh, that we believe in the best in everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So but some of the concerns are, yeah related to the context i think yes yes that's undoubtedly the case but i i think that that um thesis that by going outdoors you regain at least partly your autonomy and your professional competence as a teacher that has really spoken to me because we in silviva we had this astonishing experience that in the french-speaking world there is a lot more uptake of outdoor learning. Uh, for example, the, the handbook which we published has been sold twice as often in the French-speaking world as in the German-speaking world. And we were puzzled by this. And when I, I learned or, or read about this hypothesis of yours, uh, it suddenly made sense because it could really be that uh, this is the answer or part of an answer because in the French school system, but also in the school system of the French speaking Switzerland, it is a lot more authoritarian. It's a lot more top down. So there is a lot more which you have to do 
and and going outdoors is a way of opening up a space for you to redecide what you're doing to gain control over your teaching and over how you work together with the kids and i think that is part of the answer why we see this interest in school systems which traditionally have maybe not given so much autonomy to to the teachers i don't know whether it's true it's just um, a hypothesis which we based on on your research um, but i think it is a very very interesting reflection because it it comes back to this attitude of the teachers and what is what is my approach what is my attitude when i teach yeah teachers are really important persons in school and uh, that's that's also because, yeah one of the reasons that i still love my work after so many years it's really important but maybe Wolf, maybe a school system which has not these very strong limits maybe you will also see a lot of outdoor learning in in school system who doesn't have these strong limits because they are boundaries because then it's easier to have yeah. this tradition yeah. i think one of the reasons that we see quite a lot of outdoor teaching and learning in denmark is that the danish teachers has freedom of method mm -hmm. so they need to teach certain areas yep. very old areas but still some areas but the way you teach them you are you are free to choose to go outdoors indoors to make them with drama or make the kids read books or see movies or whatever so there's not like one way or one fixed set of systems that you need to use still many teachers do it and to, today there's almost no books it's always computer based portals that yes. uh, direct the content and the activities in school but you don't have to use them you can use yeah. them but you don't yeah. have to yeah let me ask you a question on research you've been involved in in a lot of research in in this area and um, i'm curious to know from you from your perspective you know where do we have a really sound good research base on outdoor learning and what are the the areas where you think we need a lot more research yeah i think in an ever-changing world we would always need research upon schools teaching and learning because school kids will change so we can't like say okay now we have enough knowledge about mm -hmm. this field because the kids of today are different from the kids 15 years ago they are, they are have other um, problems the climate crisis has increased so much and are so such strong issue for kids that we didn't know we know but it was not like a public uh, discussion yep. just 15 years ago there's war in europe there are these um uh, new ways of using the modern technology so uh, all these things will change and change so i don't think we can say at any mm -hmm. point well now we know enough yep i think one of the places where we have 
some knowledge is about outdoor activities or outdoor adventures effect upon pupils' self-esteem, the mm -hmm. social and psychological development. Then some few people have tried to make studies in how does it, how does outdoor learning um, affect learning if you test learning like you would test indoor learning. Mm -hmm. And that's like, for me, I know I've been doing that kind of research and do it, still does it, but sometimes I think that that we do use some kind of arguments that doesn't really count to like prove that outdoor learning is good enough because you get just as good to to make some math questions in a book. Mm -hmm. What? But it wasn't that that we were supposed to do. Mm. So, so all the qualities that we need to develop, the competences of the 21st century skills and so on, which are very, very difficult to measure, yeah. but still important. Then we need to um, either stop measuring and believing or, or develop methods that can measure this thing. You know, mm -hmm. we try to measure motivation, then we have some motivation scales and some um, validated systems and so on, but it's still one way of thinking, mm. and one uh, that we should measure all this in a developing um, class of individual mm. children. Which, yep. uh, yeah. So I'm um, to say, where do we have knowledge enough? We don't have knowledge, but we need to be aware of what kind of knowledge we support and what kind of and I don't have the answer I, it's not like I'm trying to say that I know what's right or wrong I'm still trying to find out which could be a good way of um, getting more insight into this field and I'm yep. so happy that I'm in this position I have worked to get here I have worked to do a, and done research and published and so on, and I wonder if it if anybody is even ever able to get in a position where you can say these things with great weight that is not counted empirically counted but still true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that is really really important what you're saying because in in a way you're saying. The same thing, what you said about the necessary attitude of teachers who teach outdoors, namely this attitude to be open, to be curious, to be interested in learning new things, to be interested in, in really reacting and, 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 and understanding the kids. And I think we need the same attitude in research. You know, you, you're basically saying that we continuously have to re- question ourselves okay are we asking the right research questions are we really measuring what we uh, should be measuring if we are if we do want to measure D this kind of open attitude also to research and to developing the research field i think that's a very very important thing um that we don't lose that joy of trying to to approach new research borders and, and cross them. 
it's like uh, like some kind of knowledge for some scientists are more worse than others. And there had been a part deem or a, a way of assessing research that was based in health science, where we try to and this yeah, and I come myself from bio actually I'm um biochemist, so it's the same kind of like trying one thing at a time and making statistics and so on. But in learning and development, I'm not sure that this is the right way of assessing the meaning of interventions or on teaching. So I'm even, you know, kicking myself. And, and I also wonder if we as researchers and developers and Silviva as this organization who's trying to push outdoor learning and other th things, should we still try to fit into one way of thinking like some political, some decision makers way of assessing our research or should we be brave enough <laughs> to say, well, there must be other values, there must be other ways. Yeah. I don't, I don't, maybe I'm not expressing myself clearly. No, but no, no, I, it's, you're expressing it's a question yourself very well. Trying to fit in or be the one <laughs> who set the lines. So, um, yeah, I'm still trying to develop as a researcher, you can hear. And I, I think, I think these are very valid questions, honestly. I'd, I'd like to ask you a slightly other question, not based on research now. Um, because that's something we are confronted with, I think worldwide, but in particularly in Switzerland as well. There's a lot of people who say, well, outdoor learning is great, it's really fantastic, but that's something for young kids. You know, they like to play and they can really play a lot outside. That's fantastic. It's really nice for them to be outside. But that's nothing for serious learning, say, secondary level schooling, um, you know, uh, or, or tertiary, tertiary education. What, what would you say to, to these people? I mean, is, is that true? Is outdoor learning really only something for kindergarten? Or has it value well, <laughs> in, other, in other fields of education as well? Yeah, I, I think it depends on how, what the concept of outdoor learning, how wide you make it. Because if this is the picture that people get that they are out doors and play and they don't learn anything, then I think the these people should try to widen their understanding of firstly learning and then on the, the possibilities in the outdoors. Like when our teacher students, they have internship, that's kind of outdoor learning, you see, because they go outside from the classroom at the university and they go out in the real world and they try mm. things out and they visit. When you come and visit me, Wolf, then it's kind of outdoor learning. It Whenever is. a person works with problem-based outdoors with experts, external experts, it's not only about nature, it's like being brave enough to go out and and face the world and try to to get better there. So I think there's no, it's not ending with the kids. Mm. And still with my students, we, of course we are outdoors 
not only for variation, also because in a class there are so many ways of learning and subjects are not only symbolic representations, you need to learn symbolic representations, you need to learn to read notes because then you can play, but you mm. also need to learn to listen to music <laughs> and you also need to learn to listen to the birds. So it's there's no difference. It's just different parts of the same world and on different levels. Whatever you're going to learn, I don't know if it's everything, but still I think maybe uh, this is not true, but I think that very theoretical physicists, people who work with atomic small neurons, the things jumping in and out of uh, orbits, they would love to go to Switzerland and see the CERN reactor. That's outdoor learning because that's going from the theory, see yeah. where is it happening, talking to people. And I think we do it always. And that's a very cool example. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, no, it's not only for small kids. And in another way, you can say some primary experiences with nature, like different kinds of snow, what snow is good for skiing, which one is good for building a snowman, which one is good for uh, having a snowball, which one, yeah, uh, you experience this with your body. And I think if you have experienced that a lot as a kid, you are able to, when you get into a higher level of education, to say, well, maybe the size of the small frozen crystals means something, maybe the temperature, maybe the air between. Mm -hmm. So you can still imagine because you have experienced it. Yes. I don't think you finish experience the world. Yeah, yeah. Then everybody could just stay home. You don't need mm. to travel or anything. <laughs> but still, I think some. Uh, it's also really important that kids have these connections between what they feel, what they hear, what they taste, what they see, and so on. So, and then when they're cognitively developed, of course, you can be more theoretically. But that's not the same as saying you're not going outdoors. <laughs> yeah. 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 Maybe a question, that particular question is, is, is really with us all the time. You know, in, in your experience, what arguments, experiences, approaches work best to convince people who are not convinced yet um, that outdoor learning is, in fact, um, it's one, it's only one part, but it is an important part of a future oriented education. What in your experience does work well to convince people? I do, I do a lot of courses. There can be schools that ask me to come. Well, we have decided, the board has decided that all teachers need to go outdoors or yep. yeah, courses like that. And I don't convince them. Mm -hmm. by telling about how good it is, I just take them outdoors. Yep. And then, yeah, you know that because mm. I've done it with you. Yeah, so exactly. I, I, I tell about what is it, what research results do we have, and then I take people outdoors and make them experience mm -hmm. by themselves what kind of approaches can we work with outdoors uh, how can we approach a certain 
kind of knowledge or certain subjects, and then I answer from my experience. I have seen so many kids and teachers outdoors during all these years. I'm not like an oracle in mm. Delphi, but still I can say, well, I have seen people been doing this and yeah. this and that. And I can ask people, what are you, why do you think this is not, nothing for you or what? Maybe it isn't. You know, <laughs> we also need to acknowledge that there are different teachers and different people. And it doesn't, it's not every teacher that should go outdoors. It's every kid that should have the possibility to get outdoors with a qualified teacher. So if you if you don't feel safe or if you think that um, you're much better in doing the musical with the kids that year, then it's better. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, given given what we know about the importance of the attitude of teachers and their motivation as an impact on kids, it's certainly not a, go a good idea to force teachers to do things they don't want to do. That's not going to have a positive impact on the learning of the kids. So I, I think that's a very, a very cool formula you just you just said. You know, not every teacher needs to go outside, but every pupil needs to have the opportunity to to learn outside. But I think every teacher student should be presented, hopefully both in practice and in theory, but many different approaches to teaching. Mm -hmm. How do you teach with drama? How do you teach with art? How do you teach with experiments? How do you teach inquiry-based? How do you teach uh, from the blackboard to the kids in one group? How do you teach group work? How do you teach outdoors? How do you teach with by the use of body and senses? How do you teach problem-based so that the teacher, the young teacher, have a huge repertoire mm -hmm. of possible methods? Because if we're going to professionalize the teacher, you cannot just account on how it was when you were in school because we still develop the teaching at the teacher training institutes at the universities, we still work on this and the world is changing and the computers mm. are changing. And so we need to be professional in that way that their backpack, the, the young teacher's backpack are filled. It's not filled up because they still need to fill things in when they are out in practice. Uh, not only internship, but also when they have been teachers for 10 years or 20 years then we still need to put or to gather new knowledge and new ways of teaching. And outdoor teaching and learning is one of them. But I must say that there are many ways for, um, of good teaching. There are also a lot of bad teaching. Mm. And if we face the bad teaching, if we see, okay, that was really shitty, then we shouldn't do that. What could we then do? Yeah. So outdoor learning is one of the answers. It's not the answer for me. Yes, very cool. Karen, last question. As a farewell gift to our listeners, paint your vision of outdoor learning in 2050. In 2050? Yeah. Oh, that's in a few years. I really hope that we still have the possibilities that they are nearby every school 
every kindergarten and every daycare are place where both culture and nature can be part of the educational process. I believe that there will be teachers, adults, pedagogues, parents that will uh, take kids outdoors so they have experiences with the body, their senses in the community and together with group work so they can work uh, to solve those problems that we sadly have made for them and that they feel um, safe, confident and have the power to uh, work outdoors also. Yeah. Wonderful. Karen, thank you so much for this inspiring discussion. Thank you very, very much indeed. <laughs> thank you for letting me have so much time to speak. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sylviva podcast. We hope you learned something new that you can use in your own practice. Feel free to give us feedback and share your experiences at www.silviva.ch slash podcast, where you can also find the show notes as well as more information about learning outdoors in and with nature. See you next time. <laughs>